Hey, Jack. I think it was on the coaster, but it, it, like I have a screen oh, yeah, protector, yeah, yeah. but it did sound like the screen did crack in half. Um, how are you? Uh, I'm cool. Cool? Uh, yeah, I'm fine. You want to talk about it, champ? Is something bothering you? No, nothing's bothering me. I'm just okay. I mean, everything bothers me, but that's just the world we're living in right now, where no. you open up your computer, you go, what are they doing now? <laughs> um, oh, fuck. You know, I, I on the way here, I had a thought, and it, it was that um, there should be a new like uh, baseline test for human IQ and just intelligence in general, and it should be someone is in a car in or like around your immediate area and they watch you attempt to merge into a construction zone that has whittled it down to one lane. And if you <laughs> rush to the front of the line and then immediately slam on your brakes and have to impede the regular flow of traffic instead of observing the sign, which legally has to be visible a mile and a half advance, at right. least road work ahead, then that person, they take your driver's license and your social security card and you are a bad, shitty person and you have to go. Yeah. It's just... You it, just don't get to drive anymore. It blows my mind. No, I know. Uh, I get it. I get you it. Know? I get it. I, get I can't it. I can't even... Right. It, it would, it's so easy. If, as soon as you see the sign, you get over. It wouldn't... The, the traffic would not slow down it's, if it happened that it's way. It's such... Like, I understand the plight of, like you know, roadway engineers and stuff who they, they design. It's like when you're going on a roundabout and you're like, who is the asshole who made this city all roundabouts? But on paper, it was like, this will save people efficiency and time just as long as they don't drive like dickheads. And then they just stand there and watch as people like honk their horns and just can't navigate. It's such a, such a simple idea. But uh, anyway, that's my, that's my white cool. guy complaint for the okay, day. Cool. Um, Do we have any other complaints? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it depends on What's your... What's going on in our world today? You will actually, you know what? I have something that is kind of a, a remedy to a complaint that I had last week. Okay. Which was terrible acronyms. Right. I have a great acronym today. I am so I excited. I also have it. a great like, acronym today. It is today. a top-notch, another just comic book style acronym. You know, it might even rival Asian at this point. Uh, we may have the same acronym. <sighs> We'll get, is it the, all, we'll right. Get, all right. Is it? Is it the? Oh no, it's not. Oh sweet. Cool. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm excited. Mine has to do with Nixon. Yeah. When when you go back and edit the podcast, bleep out what I said, <laughs> just to add to the mystery. I'm not going to do that. God, God damn I'm, it. And I don't want any notes on the it, Facebook <laughs> when people are like you forgot to bleep that out. I'm saying right now, I ain't doing it. All right. You you heard it here first, folks. Devil Wears Pravda exclusive. Jack's not doing it. I'm just lazy as fuck. That's my problem. That's because you're always wearing comfy sweaters, man. Dude, this is the most comfortable thing. I didn't want to wear long sleeves, but I was like, it's cold. Uh, cardigan. Yeah, that's... The end. End of the story. I learned the hard way that you have to buy your cardigan like at least one size larger mm-hmm. because you wear it as an overshirt. Yeah. Especially for some, I, I shrink almost all of my clothes. Either that or I'm just acquiring mass. So. I, I have to say I don't wash my cardigans. Okay. They're probably disgusting. That is gross. Okay. Well, I'm <laughs> going to scoot my... Like, I think of it as like a jacket 
And I don't wash my coats either. My sure, big, that's fluffy fair. coats. I don't wash those either. Yeah, I mean, coats, they don't really ever, you know, deal with. Like, if I have to wear a coat to, like, shows or something like that, and I'm surrounded by, like, cigarette smoke or something, I might wash it if it's one that I wear to the office or something. But, like, my Carhartt coats, I couldn't tell you the last right. time they were washed. I'm going to bleep that out. It's <laughs> <laughs> just a my blank. Okay. I'm for it. I, you know how about it's this? It's product as as, placement that we're not getting paid for. Fuck that. Oh, I was just going to say, if you just want to start adding random beeps throughout the episode, maybe just to give the illusion <laughs> that, that we're being... might do. Being, being redacted by the... By the... Yeah. Because we're slowly exposing what Wikipedia already knows. <laughs> how many... Can I just ask you before we get into this, how many of your sources are just Wikipedia? Because I actually have started making like a sources page and the... F- for this one, it's the first three. That's are good because we have been getting loads of fan mail, uh, wondering what our sources are. It's um, it's been kind of a pain to Here's sort the through. Thing, in case it ever comes back to bite, it's like you like lifted that whole cloth from this side. It's like yeah, I yeah, know. No. I the links I right think, there. I think it, it. You know what? Here's how I'll parachute this as the plane crashes into the sea. Is we are not investigative journalists we are just guys googling shit and you can do it too we're basically just kind of starting it you know for i I like to assume that most people that do listen to this that are not my mom um they're doing it for informative purposes while also being too lazy to really look into it themselves which we we totally should have titled this podcast let me google that for you but yeah i mean do do we have to give money to google to say that probably yeah i'm gonna have to bleep out google every single time (laughs) google 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 um I think facts started when it all started. It's always okay to punch a Nazi. You're telling me that I can use this phone for more than checking Facebook and Grindr on the go? Fuck you and fuck Mars. Things are the best they've ever been. So the only way to go is down. Oh, I built a straw man argument. Here's the thing though, this shit still stinks. So that's when that's when women's rights really mattered was back then. A podcast by the people, for the people, and of the people. Uh, but uh, fucking Google. But anyway, um, so you know that's what I think by lifting this from Wikipedia, where and other easily accessible sources like we didn't download deep web tour no, browsers no. for this. Like I went to Wikipedia History dot com. Infoplease.com and PBS. I went exclusively to Wikipedia and InfoWars. Perfect. Is where I do most Perfect. of my research. But that's just to watch videos of Alex Jones tearing his shirt off. <laughs> so, Jack, why don't you. Uh, we're talking about surveillance today. Um, cool. And uh, just kind of. Uh, do, you, is, do you have any surveillance of Alex Jones? No. No? Okay. All right. Go ahead and get started then. So, hey, let's talk about them. Basically, there's an expected level of privacy from an American's lives. In fact, this is in the Fourth Amendment. Uh, that uh, the Fourth Amendment basically protects the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated, and no warrants shall issue but upon probable cause, supported by oath or affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. That's what you, when you hear that, like, protection from search and seizure. That's that. Yes. The end. Which means that if you get tased and you have a seizure as a result, that 
Nope. Is that low-hanging fruit? That was the <laughs> dumbest pun. Uh, It'll so, only get worse from here. Yeah. So there was uh, the first kind of court case that dealt with this, with wiretapping specifically, however, was in 1928. It was Olmstead versus the U- United States. Okay. Um, and the Supreme Court actually decided that evidence from wiretaps placed by federal officers without judicial approval is permissible. And that allowing the wiretaps did not violate the suspected... It was a bootlegging thing. And it, so it didn't sus- violate the suspected bootleggers' Fourth Amendment rights. Uh, since the case involved phone conversations and not physical artifacts. Okay. Um, nor did the federal agents trespass on the accused properties. Okay. Accused properties. I will say, I'm going to take a short detour, but then we'll get back. And that does eventually get overruled. Overturned. Okay. That's so they, they initially though. ruled that it wasn't a violation? That it was not a violation because it wasn't... It, telephone lines are not property, basically, right. is yeah. what they kind of said. Um, they're not physical artifacts. And in order to tap the phone lines, no one had to go into the suspect's home uh, okay. and like sure. seize anything. That seems reasonable. Um, so I've already touched on wiretapping. That's going to kind of be a big thing today. So I'm going to go on a little side quest to define what wiretapping is and some of the methods that are used. Side quest. The basic definition is it's the monitoring of telephone and internet conversations by a third party, often by covert means. Um, and it's actually an interesting the etymology of it. Um, so the wiretap was received its name because historically the monitor, monitoring connection was an actual electrical tap onto like the telephone line okay um legal wiretapping by a government agency was also called lawful interception Ooh, i like that right yeah i just i just want any illegal thing to that the government does just be called lawful blank like lawful interference and then someone would be like is that against the law and it's like dude it's in the name <laughs> it's lawful uh uh, so, and then there's kind of two different types of wiretapping, um, passive, which monitors or records the traffic. Okay. And then active wiretapping alters or otherwise affects the traffic. Okay. Um, so in the United States under the foreign intelligence surveillance act, uh, the federal intelligence agencies can get approval for wiretaps from the United States foreign intelligence surveillance court. Um, or in certain circumstances from the attorney general without a court order. We'll kind of get to more of that later. Um, under the law of the United States and most state laws, there's nothing illegal about one of the parties to a telephone call recording the conversation or giving permission for calls to be recorded or permitting their telephone line to be tapped. So like if there's two people calling and if one of them's like working for the government and they give consent to the government to tap it, that's legal I'm in pre- most I'm, states. There's, there are, uh, so yeah, basically, you, at least one party has to be aware of the recording, um, and then 12 of them actually require both parties to be aware of recording. Basically, that's whenever you get the whole, like, this call may be monitored for whatever. Gotcha. That's how companies cover their ass. It's like, oh, like, yeah, they know they're recording it, but they let the consumer know it may be recorded sure. as well. Now, is that does that hold true for uh, recordings of actual interpersonal meetings like if you had a tape recorder in your pocket and you walked up to talk with someone and we're recording the conversation is the fact that you know that you're recording consent for you to be able to record that without breaking the law well that's kind of what the whole that's some of like 
especially when you see now when police officers are like, turn that camera off. It's not legal. Um, there are certain portions where, um, and I, there, I mention it later. Um, there's there are certain places where there isn't a re, where there's a reasonable expectation of privacy. Sure. Out in public, there may not be as much. Yeah, um, I can see. So like police officers kind of don't, thing. especially. I think most states have laws that say like, yeah, you can record police activity if it's out in a public place or in your own home. Um, so it's either a public place or a place where you yourself has have uh, reasonable privacy, like ideas of reasonable privacy. You can record in your own home as well because it's yours. Which is, um, it's, it's but like, you can't, you can't like, it's not, there, there's st- certain laws of like, I guess, recording conversations, um, especially in office buildings. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, I mean, we there's it's called you know whatever peeping tom like you can't record someone undressing without their knowledge like that's an invasion of privacy because wait what is that's their... what is that you can't do that yeah oh um you can't record someone in their own home while they're undressing Ooh. that's illegal because uh, okay. you're violating their reasonable yeah no rights I, of... it's, it doesn't matter no, Jason um have you been uh, doing th- 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 that Google. Uh, uh. Um, something also interesting there's uh, state contracts with telephone companies uh, and they often require those contracts often require those companies to provide access to tapping lines to law enforcement Okay. Um, so in the US telecommunications carriers are required by law to cooperate in the interception of communications for law enforcement purposes under the terms of the communications assistance for law enforcement act which is Kalia, I guess, is how that acronym works. How would you pronounce the FISA? Because I have to, I have to say some of that as well. Would you do FISA or FISA? I don't know. FISA. Okay, I just want. I, I just want to agree on a terminology. Okay, man. FISA. 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 I'm cool with that. Uh, so now back to history. Uh, <laughs> so in 1934, the Federal Communications Act was kind of established, um, and along with it, uh, the FCC. Uh, so under that act, federal the wiretapping was not illegal in 1934, but information gathered via wiretapping was not allowed to be disclosed. Ah, okay. Um, so I guess it was like one of bamboozled again. I guess it was one of those things of like, yeah, you can wiretap, but it's not admissible in court. But at least if you find out they're doing something wrong, you can go then to you can the go next get a place or whatever. So it can yeah. be used as probable cause, maybe, or, or I don't some know. kind of evidence of the crime itself. Well, I, I just don't think it's it, – you can't disclose it. So it obviously couldn't be used in a court because you sure. can't disclose what you heard via wiretapping. But I think you can be like, well, I'm a police officer. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a federal agent. I heard that these bootleggers are going to be doing a deal down at the docks on Friday. I'm going to go down there and stop them. Is this, happen, is this an old-time prospector? Yeah! <laughs> I used to be a prospector. Now I'm a cop. <laughs> I like uh, Cop Spectre. That's Cop Spectre. That's one of my new favorite characters. You should probably we should you should draw drop him. a little old timey jingle for Cops Cop Cops Prospector. <laughs> Do you want to try that again? Uh, cop Prospector or Cop Spectre? Cop Spectre. Let's draw him up. Let's draw him. I'll work on that. Okay. Um, in 1945, the Armed Forces Security Agency, which is AFSA. Uh, began Project Shamrock, which we'll kind of talk about a little more later. Um, but basically what it did was it allowed intelligence gathering without warrants using um, 
uh, like in basically intercepting international telegrams through ITT World International, RCA Global, and Western Union to screen for espionage and Soviet spying. This program actually ran for 30 fucking years. That is a while. Yeah. Yeah, 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 it is. Um, <laughs> so then we've got... Uh, what do we have next? I don't know. President Truman. Let's talk about him in 1952. Harry S. Truman? Yeah. Um, he established the NSA. Um, which stands for the National Security Agency, if you've been living under a rock or something. Um, that's kind of a big thing in our life can right I, now. Can I ask real quick, did uh-huh. William, William Henry Harrison have anything to do with any kind of legislation or anything like that? that I don't you think know... so. I don't think so. Okay. Um, I don't think he was around long enough. So still... Still the greatest still president. Still just awesome. Yeah, cool. still just, the greatest president. All right. He just didn't get his hands sure. in any dirt. Um, Fantastic. Just just the dirt that was thrown on his coffin. <laughs> Yeah. Yep. Uh, uh. So in 1967, there was the case of Katz versus the United States. So there's this guy named Charles Katz, and he used a public phone booth to transmit illegal gambling wagers from L.A. to Miami and Boston. Um, however, the FBI was recording his conversation with, this was in quotation marks, electronic eavesdropping device, which I, I have to believe is just a fucking, like, tape recorder taped to the side of the phone booth just yeah real like real mickey mouse <laughs> just yeah. like just, or, or just like a little like a the, the fix is in on the big horse john hey do you keep hearing a weird clicking sound <laughs> almost like a like a reel to reel spinning nods no i no keep that what was the fix fixes in uh so basically he challenged the ruling his sentencing basically uh, saying that the recordings were obtained in violation of his Fourth Amendment rights. Um, and then the Court of Appeals actually sided with the FBI. But then the Supreme Court determined that the Fourth Amendment does, in fact, protect non-tangible possessions such as phone calls and electronic transmissions, as well as the reasonable expectation of privacy in places like your home or office or hotel room or phone booth. Um, examination of such places and things now requires a warrant. Um, and... So that the the case we talked about earlier, where they were like, "Yeah, you can uh, telephone doesn't count. Telephone doesn't count because it's it. It's not real." Thanks, cop pro, cop specter. <laughs> oh my god! Basically, the Supreme Court then oh. said that uh, that they overturned that case, um, and that pre- set a new precedent for surveillance. In 1968, Congress passed the Omnibus. Crime Control and Safe Streets Act. Um, it was the first federal law to restrict wiretapping, uh, but it made an exception for the president's overriding authority to approve wiretaps if in the service of protecting the United States. You know, anything to protect our security. It's important. Um, then we get to Watergate. Ooh. Um, so on June 17th, 1972, five employees of Nixon's re-election campaign were caught breaking into the DNC headquarters at the Watergate complex in Washington, D.C. That is how every documentary about Watergate starts. <laughs> Just with that exact, that exact phrase? <laughs> Pretty much. <clears throat> um, so in January of the following year, former FBI agent G. Gordon Liddy and former CIA employee James McCord, um... It, who was at also the security director for the committee to reelect the president or creep. Ooh, I like it. Don't, by the way, 
if you're ever going to be a president or a big person, don't ever name one of your committees a supervillain name. Yeah, that seems that seems short-sighted. Right. Creep. We're creeps. Guys, can we come up with a different acronym, what's, please? What's, what is the acronym again? Committee to reelect the president. So they actually use that. So, so it's crep. Yeah, but it's creep. They didn't. The first of all, they really wanted the acronym to work because they faked it. I guess they counted both E's and re-elect. You know, you know, Jack. I gotta say, I'm kind of disappointed because you told me you had a great acronym, and it's let's be honest. Well, it's here's a the shitty, thing. In the it's way, a shitty acronym, Jack. In the way it's written, it's C R and then lowercase E. E P. Okay. So it's so like, committee to re E P. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's like, it was almost like they were under a strict deadline and the name was the last right. thing they did. And they were like, well, Hey, you know, this doesn't spell creep. And they're like, well, first is there of all, a way? why do we want it to spell creep? We <laughs> think that's cool. That should have been the first question they asked. <laughs> you know what? Hey Jason, um, quick question. Yeah. Why do you want your acronym to say to just be evil? Cause I'm a creep. I'm a. It's Radiohead. You know. That I, song? I know. I know. Uh, did you want me to keep singing it? I mean, no, because this is a podcast and we get sued. Hmm. Anyway, <laughs> um, uh, July of nineteen seven. Oh, never mind. Hold on. Uh. Basically, the G. Gordon Liddy and James McCord were found guilty of conspiracy, burglary, and most important, artists uh, bugging the DNC headquarters. For some reason, my computer changed it to budding. Um, they put flowers. It wasn't, bug- it wasn't they put, buggering, they right? Put, they put flowers. <laughs> they put little. They put planted pots, and they're like, "Oh, we're budding it. There's going to be there's going to be rose buds." They, cul- they cultivated a little garden within it. Yeah. Um, and then five others involved uh, ended their trials early by pleading guilty. Um, in July of 1974, a House Judiciary Committee issued three articles of impeachment, including uh, indicting Nixon for illegal wiretapping, misuse of the CIA, perjury, bribery, obstruction of justice, and other abuses of executive power. He eventually just resigned. Yeah, um, that was the We best. know how that one ends. Yes. So basically... We found out that Nixon was a paranoid lunatic okay. uh, who wiretapped and surveilled thousands of U.S. citizens, including and especially those on his enemies list. I just want to take a side note here. If you don't for a second think that Trump doesn't have an enemies list, you're wrong. He tweets it out every day. It's SNL. It's Rosie O'Donnell. It's the media. And you. And me, I'm yes. sure. Honestly, I'd love to get on his his enemies list because that would get us so many more listeners. If Yeah, if he was tweet, like, The Devil Wears Pravda is a terrible show. Don't listen to it. Please, Trump, please tweet about us in a negative light. <laughs> Did you see that? Uh, we'll talk about it at the end of the we'll show. We'll talk about it at the end of the show. Yeah. Anyway. Um, I'm going to keep working on Cop Spectre here. So, <laughs> you are literally just drawing during the show. I am. I'm drawing cop spectre. <laughs> I was doing as instructed. Uh, yeah. So, but there were two reports about the intelligence abuses conducted by the CIA, FBI, IRS, and NSA came to light um, during this investigation. Um, so, there was one report called the Church Committee, uh, a report released by the Church Committee. It was... I think his name's, the guy's name was George Church. I literally looked it up earlier, and then I already forgot. <laughs> um, so 
up until then, I mentioned the Shamrock Project earlier. Yes. Um, it was it was secret up until then. That's when it kind of came to light, along with the Minaret Project. Um, Church said that the sh- that Shamrock w- certainly appears to violate Section 605 of the Communications Act of 1934, as well as the Fourth Amendment of the Constitution. Church also described how the NSA program morphed, creeping into dangerous domestic territory over time. Quote, at the outset, the purpose apparently was only to extract inter- international telegrams relating to certain foreign targets. Later, the government began to extract the telegrams of certain U.S. citizens. Um, Shamrock actually spanned three decades, and by the time of the hearings, it was estimated that the NSA was analyzing 150,000 messages per month. Um, the committee also discovered abuses in Project Minaret, which was a sister program to Project Shamrock. In Project Minaret, uh, or maybe Monterey, I don't know, in my N-A-R-E-T, uh, the NSA added Vietnam War protesters to its watch list at the request of the U.S. Army, uh, which was concerned about the heavily attended 1967 march on the Pentagon protest. Um, you know, just cool, just cool government stuff. Just really taking names of protesters and cool government stuff. Does he have a badge? Yeah, right there. Uh, okay. And he's got one on his hat. Too. Yeah, I saw, I saw that. I love him. He's our new mascot. Yep. Cop <laughs> What, what are we talking about? Uh, surveillance? Yeah, surveillance or something. Basically, I just said that there was a project that uh, spied on and got the names of protesters, anti-government oh. protesters. Okay. You know, real cool government stuff. Uh, yeah, that doesn't seem like a far cry. Yeah. Um, so, apparently this list of protesters also uh, mentioned... People like Jane Fonda, Joan Baez, and a certain Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He's important. Whom? Okay, so he was a guy that basically was like, hey, um, maybe everyone's the same. Mm. And there was a lot of people that didn't like that. One of them killed him. Mm. And so he was on the name of a list because he wanted good things for us? Well, just yeah. for in, for people in general. People in general, for specifically for Black Americans, but you know, you want to kind of everyone to get along. Interesting. And you put it on a list. And this was a list of of good, of good people. Uh, it was a list of it was a watch list people oh, okay. to watch to send them nice watches. The other reports <laughs> that came out uh, was directly from the CIA about its own practices. Um, it was called the Family Jewels Report. <laughs> oh God, it's like they're not even trying Don't anymore. Don't let the CIA name their shit. Uh. Uh, so they were actually only released uh, 10 years ago. June 25th, 2007. And they were from when? Uh, like 1970s. Holy shit. Okay. Yeah. Uh, there were there were parts that leaked out over time, and they weren't fully like uh, uploaded, I guess, to the CIA's website or the uh, until like 2007, and even then, a, a lot retracted, um, including whole pages. So, they they documented actions of the CIA from the 1950s through the mid 1970s. Um, they were created basically. Th- this report was created in the wake of Watergate. Um, to support the burglars. Okay. 
Um, they were supposed to compile all current or past CIA actions that may have fallen outside the agency's charter. Interesting. There is literally my whole third page is just things that it did, and I'll list some of them. Okay. Um, so these are some of the activities conducted by the CIA during the 50s and the 70s that violated its charter. Um, let's start with the confinement of a KGB defector. Uh that might be regarded as a violation of the kidnapping laws. Uh, wiretapping two syndicated columnists, Robert Allen and Paul Scott. Interesting. Uh, which is apparently also called Project Mockingbird. Um, physical surveillance of then Washington Post reporter Michael Getter, Gettler, who was later uh, an ombudsman for the Washington Post and PBS. Um a break-in at the home of a former CIA employee, a break-in at the office of a former defector, warrantless entry into the apartment of a former CIA employee, opening of mail to and from the Soviet Union from 1953 to 1973, including letters associated with actress Jane Fonda. Uh, <laughs> her, she pops up again. Um, fake CIA identification documents that might violate state laws. Uh, testing of electronic equipment on U.S. telephone circuits, um, surveillance of a particular Latin American female and of U.S. citizens in Detroit. Uh-huh. Can I read what an, umbo- an ombudsman is? Yes. Okay. An ombudsman is usually appointed by the government or by parliament, but with a significant degree of independence, who is charged with representing the interests of the public by investigating and addressing complaints of maladministration or violation of rights. Or in some countries, known as an inspector general or a citizen advocate. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Good guy to be uh, literally, like, sur- surveilling. Yeah. Um, just a bunch of real fun surveillance stuff. Surveillance of dissident groups between 67 and 71. Um, just real fun stuff, like polygraph experiments with the sheriff of San Mateo County, California. Ooh. Really cool stuff. Yeah. Anyway, there's one last thing that came out of the Watergate investigations, which is called was called the Houston Plan. Um, basically, they discovered that this plan had been thought up. Um, it called for additional coordinated domestic spying on left-wing activists via burglary and electronic surveillance, and he even proposed the creation of domestic detention camps that could house anti-war protesters. The plan was approved by President Nixon... And the directors of nearly all of the intelligence agencies and was only stopped after FBI director J. Edgar Hoover opposed it. Mm, Leo. Uh, I guess we can thank J. Edgar Hoover for at least stopping that plan. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, it seems like, uh, you know, with that kind of... I, I wouldn't say the I wouldn't necessarily say the word patsy, but also maybe kind of patsy. Yeah, patsy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Let's let's this like your career is not going to be long, but you're going to push a bunch of shit through mm-hmm. that we, you know. And I mean, because things are so rooted in bureaucracy, and like literally, I mean, it doesn't surprise me that it took thirty to forty years of like CIA and redacted documents to become public you know right so i mean basically you can be like yeah we're gonna do some shit that is gonna get us in trouble but then people aren't gonna find out about it for like 40 years so let's just do it and whoever's around then can deal with the fallout right. exactly and we'll redact every document and it'll be fine don't worry about it that's 100 I mean, percent how they work yeah i mean sure. which is in 
in its own sneaky way legal, like provide the documents, but they didn't say unredacted documents, and oh, I don't have those, and you know, it's like I said, it was years ago. Because I we don't have to worry about it now, though. It was years ago. Like if you listened to the uh, testimony of the NSA director and uh, James Comey the other day, it was literally like over half, if not three quarters of the questions, the answer was. I, I cannot answer that or I'm not going to answer that. Right. And that's just like, okay, moving on. You know, it's it's interesting, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Just enough to give you something, but right. the bare, bare, bare minimum, minimum, much like my work ethic. So <laughs> onwards. Uh, so the church's committee, the church committee's revelations raise a difficult question. Does the Fourth Amendment, with its protection against unreasonable searches and seizures and requirements for probable cause, apply to domestic spying for national security purposes? And it's kind of something we're struggling with to this day. Um, at the time, Senator, Wal- uh, Senator Walter Mondale worried that the NSA could be used by President A in the future to spy upon the American people to chill and interrupt political dissent. Who is President A? Uh, that's uh, he was like doing like a President Smith kind of thing, oh, you know, gotcha. like a like oh, okay. a he's a variable, holder. a variable, right? Gotcha. Right, President X. Yeah, <laughs> I like that better. Because I like, I picture DMX. Uh, I was, I was imagining uh, President Xavier, like of the X Men, like of the X Men. Okay. Not X gonna give it to you. No. Okay. I mean, we could. We could just have Presidents X, and it's just Charles Xavier. How about and DMX? How about it's Presidents Triple X, and it's Vin Diesel. Uh, well, Triple X, so it's Vin Diesel, it's Charles Xavier, and it's DMX. I love it. Perfect. Our foreign policy would be kicking ass. <laughs> uh, well, that's my ticket for next next election cycle. That's what I'm writing in. I'm still voting Kanye. Uh, so basically, um, to prevent these fears from evolving into reality, the committee determined that oversight beyond the, uh, the executive level was necessary. Uh, Congress responded to the committee's findings by passing the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, which is FISA, uh, in 1978 which created the secret foreign intelligence surveillance court to issue warrants for domestic eavesdropping. Uh, in recognition of national security imperatives, Congress allowed the proceedings of the FISA court to be kept secret. So FISA was essentially a secret court. Um, seven judges from different regions of the country are appointed by the chief justice of the Supreme court for seven year terms. Um, so the subchapters of the FISA provide for electronic surveillance, physical searches, pin registers, and trap and trace devices for foreign intelligence purposes, uh, access to certain business recordings for foreign intelligence purposes, and reporting requirements. So there's just a bunch of things that's like, hey, this is what you can come to us for. Yeah. Um, kind of the big one that probably is going to come up later, maybe, when you talk, is uh, about electronic surveillance. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's two ways you can do it. So you can do it with or without a court order. You okay. can, so with a court order, it's pretty standard. Yeah. You go, <coughs> the government goes to the FISA court and basically says, hey, uh, can you let us do this? We have probable cause uh, that the target of the surveillance is a foreign power or an agent of a foreign power. And that the places at which the surveillance is requested uh, is used or will be used by that foreign power. So it's like, here's all that documentation that we found. And the court goes, sure, go ahead and wiretap them. Knock yourself out. Have fun. Um, So the orders actually may be active for 90 days, 120 days, or a year. Um, For surveillance without a court order, um, the president 
has to authorize it through the attorney general. Yes. Provided that it is only to acquire foreign intelligence information, that it is solely directed at communications of property controlled exclusively by foreign powers, that there is no substantial likelihood that it will acquire the contents of any communication to which a United States person is a party, and that it be conducted only in accordance with defined minimization procedures. So basically, the president can only do it if it's with a, at a foreign person, towards a foreigner. That seems basically reasonable. Because they're not under the protection of exactly. our Constitution. Yeah. And um, that's fair. Um, so the Attorney General is required to make a certification of these conditions under seal to the foreign... To the FISA, basically... <laughs> Uh, Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court um, and report on their compliance to the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence and the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence. So basically, they can't just do it and not tell anyone. They have to be like, all right, we did it. Here's why we did it. Here's what we gained from it kind of thing. By the way, here's who we're wiretapping. Right. Um, under the, I guess, Article 50 of US, United States Code uh, 1811, the president may author authorize warrantless surveillance at the beginning of a war. Specifically, he may authorize such surveillance for a period not to exceed 15 calendar days following a declaration of war by the Congress. You, dude, it, it arrives to me that, like, even when I was researching, like, the small amount of the Patriot Act, it amended so much of the United States Code. I have no idea what the hell the United States Code is. Like yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Like what? Like like there's... basically because I had written or copied and pasted. Let's be honest. Sure. Under if it was like under fifty USC, that little whatever yeah. money. It almost looks like the money symbol from like Pokemon, like eighteen eleven. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's weird. I I would like to know. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily worth doing a whole episode about because I think it would make our eyes bleed just because yes. it seems like nothing but text. Uh -huh. However, I'm curious to what it is and the scope of its power. Yeah. Continue onwards. Um, so moving on in the history a little bit, 1986, there was an amendment added to the Omnibus Crime Control and Safe Streets Act of 1968 that added wireless data and communications, which is cell phone and internet, to the act. Which they were kind of ahead of the curve on that one. They were. Um, that was back when cell phones were like small briefcases. Yeah, and the internet was literally a government-only thing. Yeah. Uh, data stored for more than 180 days was still vulnerable, however. Like, you didn't have to get a warrant if it was over 180 days old. Okay. Um, so then, there was kind of one court case in 95. Um, it was basically the first time that there was um, a court order to wiretap someone. Yeah. Um, his name was Julio Ardita. He was an Argentinian, like, teenager. Oh, okay. Who used uh, Harvard's computer network to hack into U.S. government websites, such as sites belonging to NASA, the D DOD, and several American universities. Wow. Um, some of... I looked up a little bit of him, and he seemed in... Like... Like, so good at hacking. Oh, yeah? So good at hacking. Like, just knew his shit. Just knew his way around to hacking. That's, I mean, and it's interesting, too, because they were at such a primitive stage. In 95, yeah. Right. Um, so, however, now FISA, or FISA, whatever, and how it <laughs> operates has probably changed a lot since 9-11. Yes. Uh, and I guess, Jason, you have info on that. I do. Um, <clears throat> so, I want you to prepare yourself 
for a bombshell of an acronym. Okay. Like, it, like okay. this immediately started my research off on a great foot, okay? So I was doing research on post-9-11 and the Patriot Act. Now, the official title for the Patriot Act is the USA Patriot Act. You ready for this? Uniting and strengthening America by providing appropriate tools required to intercept and obstruct terrorism. USA Patriot that is I next love level. It. I love it. Insane, right? I okay. love it. So I didn't know it was an acronym. Me neither. I thought it was just titled it the Patriot. Right off the bat. I want I need the sound of F-18 soaring overhead. Um <laughs> so uh Let me or write that down. An act to deter and punish terrorist acts in the United States and around the world to enhance law enforcement and investigatory tools and for other purposes. Um or Holy shit, that's a great acronym. That's just Yeah, that's a great I mean, acronym. I hope they are all high fiving each other. So it was enacted by the hundred and seventh United States Congress. It went into act just six weeks after nine eleven. Um so it was proposed and uh it passed the House on October twenty fourth, the Senate on October twenty fifth, and was signed into law on October twenty sixth. So just over six weeks after nine eleven. Wow. And it had a huge scope of power. So, um, and we'll touch on some of that controversy later as to why yeah. people felt it like it just feels like maybe slow down, right? Like I know something bad really just happened, but like slow down. Here's another interesting thing for you. Okay, so it passed the House on October 24th with 357 yays and 66 nays. Um, it passed the Senate on October 25th with 98 yays and one nay. And who skipped? I don't know. But who the, skipped? There was who the, skipped Patriot Act. There was Day? a Patriot or piece of legislation earlier in the podcast, like a few episodes back, where it was like ninety-eight to one. Right, like just one dude is like, ah, fuck it, it'll be fine. I'm not worried about it. And of course, it was signed into law by W on ten twenty-six. So, um, you know, it it was obviously introduced a broad scope of powers. It was pretty much. Um, I, I mean, a lot of times when you see legislation like this, it's reactive in nature, and I feel like our government tends to be more reactive in nature but also it's when you see hold on this is another bomb you're dropping on me it's our government tends to be reactive instead yeah. of proactive yeah it's, you mean like just saying oh we don't like this thing let me let me just pull something out of my ass uh healthcare. um maybe there's a new healthcare law and a part of the government legitimately just absolutely hates it immediately for no reason other than it's new yeah and they react to it and their reaction is we're gonna repeal it without any kind of thing to replace it and then their quick replacement sucks yes i mean in theory like that yeah i mean it was wasn't the the replacement plan called the world's best healthcare plan i'm pretty sure it's that was one of the working titles for it not anywhere close to as awesome as the patriot act no, is no that title alone makes me proud to be an American. Um, so, like, I will, I will get behind any new health plan if you can call it like the Health Act. Yeah, like with, with a, a solid like, healing everyone at the home or something like that. We'll work on that. Maybe you, since I drew Cop Spectre, maybe you can come <laughs> up with an adequate, <laughs> adequate acronym for a healthcare plan. How about healthcare? Can you make that work? Healthcare. Healthcare. 
Yeah. Okay. Um, so anyway. I'm not going to be listening to you if you do this. <laughs> and I want to listen. It'll be a test of your, your creativity and how long it takes you to put it together. Um, so it was introduced by a Republican representative in the House, um, and it incorporated provisions from previously sponsored House and Senate bills that were introduced earlier in the month. So basically, Congress went right to work. You know, uh, um, there was a huge, like, oh, shit moment for the United States and that's you know they they leapt into action so um there's been staunch opposition as as you'll find with you know quick uh quick reactionary legislation really <laughs> yes you're blowing my mind I'm the whole sorry, way man. through this Jason I'm sorry I'm I'm trying to speak in layman terms here that's what wikipedia is nice enough to do for me um so I'll, I'll touch into some of the things that were uh, that their opponents of the law were. Um, there was legislation post its passage that attempted to curtail or amend its like situations on it. One of them um, was presented before it passed by Dennis Kucinich and Ron Paul, who was one of the few Republicans that um, was dissenting with the idea of it. Um, the bill was called the Benjamin Franklin True Patriot Act. And it was an allusion to Benjamin Franklin's famous quote uh, that those who would give up the essential liberty to purchase a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety. I think we quoted that as Thomas Jefferson in an earlier episode. So maybe it is. Uh, Look, it we is never Benjamin claim Franklin. to be on the money a hundred percent of the time. We're quoting Wikipedia. So for now, this stands as a Ben Franklin quote until some other some other public article somehow deters that. Um, Maybe it's William Henry Harrison that actually said it. I, you know what? I like that. We should misattribute <laughs> That's that That's our quote. alternative fact. We should misattribute that quote to him. Um, so that bill was sponsored by, uh, like I said, Kucinich and Ron Paul, and it had 27 co-sponsors, all Democrats except for Ron Paul. So um, Who's more libertarian. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, they were basically doing it to make sure it does not inappropriately undermine civil liberties. Its name, as described in Section 2, Number 1, referred to that quote. Um, so basically they were trying to make sure that, you know, it, it wasn't, a, you know, attempting to do some things that were a little bit overstepping the bounds of what would be a reasonable reaction. Um, some of the opposition, uh, they were criticizing things such as the indefinite detention of immigrants. Right. The permission given to law enforcement officers to search a home or business without the owner's or the occupant's consent or knowledge. The expanded use of national security letters, which we'll get into because that's a big one, um, and that allows the FBI to search telephone, email, and financial records without a court order, um, and then the expanded access of law enforcement agencies to business records, including library and financial records. Now, I have a question. Yes. Did all of this change because, like, I don't know. So I guess I, it was I, all – I guess it was all – because a lot of that stuff is covered in, like – FISA, uh, like FISA. Mm -hmm. So what... And what, they, did they go in and change FISA? So basically what this did was... I'll, I'll kind of go into it. It was break, basically broken up into 10 separate titles. And a lot of these were making amendments to a lot of the procedures and laws and legislation that you talked about earlier. So yeah, it did actually amend and change some of the previous stuff. Basically widening, it basically widened the scope, widened the funding for all of this stuff. Um, so I'll... Uh, I'll get right into the, um, the first title. Basically, uh, it it authorized measures to enhance the ability of domestic security services to prevent terrorism. 
So to break that down, it was basically um, it established a fund for counterterrorist activities and increased funding for terrorist screening center, which is administered by the FBI. The military was also authorized to provide assistance in some situations that involve weapons of mass destruction if requested by the attorney general. Um, it also expanded the National Electric Crime Task Force, uh, along with the president. Hold on. It's, it's not an acronym. But I just it, wanted to be an acronym so bad. It does, it does sound really official, NECTF. though. NECTFA. <laughs> National Electronic Crime Task Force. Um, NECTF. <laughs> neckbeards. Uh, and it also expanded the president's authority and abilities in cases of terrorism and condemned the discrimination against Arab and Muslim Americans that happened soon after the September 11th terrorist attacks. So if you're being mean to Arab and Muslims on uh, online, calling them terrorists with no reason behind it, you're violating Title I of the Patriot Act. And that is not patriotic. Hold on. Yes. I feel like I've seen people do that, though. Mm, like, why aren't they going to jail? I don't know. Or at least getting their Twitter account suspended. It seems like a job for the National Electronic Crime Task Force. Okay. Title II is entitled Enhanced Surveillance Procedures and covers all aspects of the surveillance of suspected terrorists, those suspected of engaging in computer fraud or abuse, and agents of a foreign power who are engaged in clandestine activities. Is computer fraud like not using a real computer but saying you are? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, it's uh, it's like if you have one of those like leapfrog computers and you're right. like, I'm on Google. Sorry, right. you got to bleep that. I'm on Bing. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like, um, you know those like fake computers they have at like Ikea? It's, it's if you use one of those. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah, they have breakfast for $1.99 there. It's insane. But who's going to Ikea to eat breakfast? It's weird. I have friends who do. We'll talk. We'll talk about that later. We can do a whole episode <laughs> about that. Um, <laughs> Just an IKEA episode. <laughs> uh, what are we talking about? Uh, yes. So it primarily made amendments to FISA and the ECPA, and many of the most controversial aspects of the Patriot Act. ECPA is the Electronic Communication Privacy Act. Yes. I have it open. Excellent, because I tried to remember what it was, and then I just stopped caring. Um, so uh, most of the controversy resides in this part. Uh, in particularly, the title allows government agencies to gather foreign intelligence information from both U.S. and non-U.S. citizens. And it changed FISA to make gaining foreign intelligence pers- uh, foreign intelligent information the significant purpose of FISA-based surveillance, where previously had been the primary pers- purpose. That's a weird significant. What's significant versus primary? Uh, maybe it just changed from that's the main thing we do to that's the only thing we do. Interesting. Okay, yeah, I'm good with that. Okay. Um, So it it established three very controversial provisions. Sneak and peek warrants. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Sneak and peek warrants, roving wiretaps, and the ability of the FBI to gain access to documents that reveal the patterns of U.S. citizens. What are sneaking people? Okay, warrants? so I'll, I yeah, need to know. I don't you. care about the other things. Okay, like I know what roving wiretaps is basically. Yeah. Okay, so what was the last thing you said? I wasn't paying attention. It's to that not point. near as catchy. It's the ability of the FBI to gain access to documents that reveal the patterns of U.S. citizens. So, like, okay. if you go to like, if you go to like, yeah, like if you go to the coffee shop every third Wednesday, they know that, you know, right. I'd, what a sneak and peek. Okay, so, it, I want it to be children it, involved. You have to shut the fuck up so I can tell you. <laughs> I swear to God, if you ask me one more time, 
and then keep talking. Go. Okay. The so-called sneak and peek law allowed for delayed notification of the execution of search warrants. The period before which the FBI must notify the recipients of the order was unspecified in the act. The FBI field manual says that it is a flexible standard and may be extended to the court's discretion. I fucking love how shitty that is. Yeah, right? Like, uh, Sneak and peek. Can uh, you imagine W saying that? We're going to sneak and peek. We're going to get them. Like, We're going to sneak oh, and peek. Oh, 100%. But, I, like, so basically it just Cop Spectre them- says, well, that doesn't seem right. <laughs> Cop Spectre. <laughs> I just, it, it gives me the, I, like, so basically it just allows them to be, like, uh, like we executed the warrant That's all on the up and up We just forgot to let you know Right And then we found all your shit Right Yeah Crazy Yeah Yeah like, It's insane uh, Oh oh shit, shit you, you, They catch us uh, We have a warrant Like you're already <laughs> in my house yeah, It's all Paperwork's fine Leave Oh it's Leave in handcuffs please Lafayette I thought it's I, You know what I wrote it Jafayette My L's look like a J sometimes You probably didn't get it in the mail That's my bad Oh uh, yeah 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 uh, People do that all the time it You know what It probably went to my dad We yeah. have the same name Oh interesting Yeah Um. Yeah. But that means you can't be here Because I don't know about it mm, Well we did it already Sneak and peek <laughs> We already got you Um <laughs> we already got you. We already got you. We already got you. <laughs> so roving wiretaps are wiretap orders that do not need to specify all common carriers and third parties in a surveillance court order. Um, so basically, it was just kind of like for the, like suspending the o- regulatory oversight of it. It was basically like the paperwork portion is not as important as the information you gather. Title three is titled International Money Laundering Abatement and Financial Anti-Terrorism Act of 2001. That's too long. It needs an acronym. That would be Imlafita. 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 God damn it. Um, it's intended to facilitate the prevention, detection, and prosecution of international money laundering and the financing of terrorism. So this one is actually kind of interesting because um, for my work uh, doing compliance, one of the things I have to do is um, – do periodic checks for any vendors that we use as third parties, like an OFAC background check to make sure that the office of foreign asset control, which is run by the U S treasury in congruence with the Patriot act, that none of the outside vendors we're using have any ties to any countries or terrorist organizations throughout. Um, so that's like a genuine office. Like it exists. You can literally go to the OFAC website and type in the name of a business an individual, and it will search for any kind of record of, their like association with money laundering or terrorism or something like that. Interesting. It is. So if you ever want to Google something, interesting, sorry, you got to, you have to beat that. If you ever want to bing something like that, uh, you can head on over to the website and try to find out if your neighbor is a terrorist. Um, so that basically covered that. And then from there, uh, it also increased funding for uh, border patrol and custom service personnel and INS inspector, and it also gave the attorney general um, the power to just kind of say, like, there's no hiring cap. Like, we can hire as many people as necessary to do border enforcement. Um, so it also broadened the definition of terrorist activity as well as the scope of engaging in terrorist activity. So the solicitation of funds for a terrorist organization, uh, gathering of intelligence for potential terrorist targets, all that is now under the scope, which that makes sense. I mean, 
you know. I just love how it's like, we're going to make laws to protect people. Mm, we're going to change the definition. Like, it's right. Just, it's just so sneaky sometimes that it's the sort way of, government and bureaucracy in general works. Of like, It's kind of like it, this, this bill is sort of their version of treat yourself. It's like, hey, we needed to, to ramp up foreign, you know, like our terrorist protection and stuff like that. But let's add in some other stuff that we've been wanting anyway because the, you know, the nation's kind of freaked out. They're not going to read it, which actually interesting side quest side quest there is there are multiple articles from both sides of the aisle stating that many of the senators and house representatives who did this did not read it and are quoted as saying like if we read every single bill that came on our desks we would never get anything done except that's your fucking job is to like you know read them and make sure that everything's on the up and up for the best interest of your constituents. I won't get into how a democratic republic works, but um, <laughs> I would just figure that, that you would understand. Who's under- got time to know, right? I, would, I just would figure that you would gather the scope of that, and then you know, six months later, you got people being like, well, hey, that's kind of fucked up. And it's like, you could have fixed right, that. You're right, Cop Spectre. <laughs> Cop Spectre is a dirty, whorish mouth. Um, so uh, in Title V was removing obstacles to investigating terrorism, which basically allowed the U.S. General, Attorney General to pay rewards pursuant of advertisements to assist the Department of Justice on combating terrorism and preventing terrorist acts, though amounts over $250,000 may not be made or offered without the personal approval of the Attorney General or President. And once the award is approved, the Attorney General must give written notice to the Chairman and Ranking Minority Leaders of the Committee of Appropriations and let all the so the Senate and House know. So basically, if they got to do more than two hundred fifty thousand dollars, they got to have someone know about it. Which is weird. Like when it comes down to the money, then that red tape doesn't go away. Right. But it's like it's fucking it's kill them. You know, sick right. demons on them. Whatever. We don't need paperwork for that. But but if we're gonna put out an award, an award for two hundred fifty thousand oh one, you gotta get you gotta get approval for that. It's that one penny. Um, one of the most controversial aspects of the Patriot Act is in Title V, and it relates to national security letters. So I, I touched on this briefly in the, the preamble yes, about this, but it is a form of administrative subpoena used by the FBI and reportedly by other U.S. government agencies, including the CIA and DOD. It is a demand letter issued to a particular entity or organization to turn over various records and data pertaining to individuals. They require no probable cause or judicial oversight and also contain a gag order preventing the recipient of the letter from disclosing that the letter was ever issued. So it basically not only like completely circumvents your rights, but it also, um, I mean, rights used, you know, subjectively and not only circumvents those, but it also prevents the person who is hold to that subpoena from ever saying it even existed, which is pretty insane. I mean, that is a broad scope of power. So you can see why people right. are upset about it. Um, so uh, it allowed the use of NSLs to be made by a special agent in charge of a bureau field office where previously only director or deputy assistant director of the FBI were able to certify such requests so to put this in perspective it would be like in X-Files only agent Skinner is allowed to give the certification for that but this is basically like Scully and Mulder can just kind of go do whatever they want I mean, to be fair, they kind of did anyway. They were taken off the X-Files multiple times. I'm not going to get into that. But basically, it would be like <laughs> Skinner was basically saying that, yeah, Skinner's role is, is downplayed in this regard for, you know, 
anyway, the X-Files would never... Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, so uh, the provision of the act was challenged by the ACLU on behalf of an unknown party against the U.S. government on the grounds that NSLs violate the First and Fourth Amendment rights uh, and that there is no way to legally oppose an NSL subpoena in court and that it was unconstitutional not to allow a client to inform their attorney as to the order because of the gag provision of the letters. So basically they're saying like... No, this all of this is wrong. You can't do this, um, right? They're like, no, you can't give someone a subpoena and then not let them. They're just shaking the constitution because like, they can't. It's get right a lawyer. here. What are you doing? Um, and then they're like, but terrorism. Uh, you just have to keep saying nine eleven. But terrorism. Nine eleven. But terrorism. But terrorism. But terrorism. But terrorism. Yes. But terrorism. Yes. Are, are you saying? Butt terrorism or butt terrorism? Yes. Okay. Um, so the court found in favor of the ACLU and they declared the law unconstitutional. Later, the Patriot Act was reauthorized and amendments were made to specify a process of judicial review of NSLs and to allow the recipient of an NSL to disclose receipt of the letter to an attorney or others necessary to comply with the ch- or challenge the order. So basically, they kind of alleviated. Basically, um, they're like, okay, Yvonne, you can have a lawyer. Which is another important thing to... to uh, note is that the Patriot Act has been reauthorized, uh, or at least certain provisions of it has, because after a while, you know, certain bills and amendments will expire or be changed or things like that. So um, uh, I think Obama signed the reauthorization of it in 2015 of, of certain provisions of it. So um, it is still around and amendments have been made, but, you know, the controversy was definitely there in the beginning. Um, so in 2007, the district court struck down even the reauthorized NSLs because the gag order or the gag order was unconstitutional as courts could still not engage in meaningful judicial review of the gags. On August 28, 2015, Judge Victor Marrero of the Federal District Court in Manhattan ruled the gag order of Nicholas Merrill was unjustified in his decision. He described the FBI's position as extreme and overly broad affirming that courts consistent with the First Amendment simple, simply accept the government's assertions that disclosure would implicate and create a risk. So basically they're like, you can amend this all you want, but it's still constitutionally, it, it's violating people's rights. So um, I I don't know why this all of a sudden segued into Nicholas Merrill. I don't know if I was supposed to click on the hyperlink for Nicholas Merrill because not 100% what I mean, I mean, I guess about. he was someone who was issued issued one of those letters. Basically, it says, and it also it found that the FBI's gag order, Mr. Merrill, implicates serious issues both with respect to the First Amendment and accountability of the government to the people. So, um, the FBI was given ninety days to pursue any other alternative course in action and elected not to do so. So basically, they were kind of like, if we can't do this, like the Patriot way, then there's really no way to accomplish this, more or less. So, um. It it bases it uh it was the first time it was revealed that the extent to which an NSL under the Patriot Act could request communication information, um, and in specific the okay so in specific the landmark case of Nicholas Merrill, in specific sought to seek the following information on an account, seeks this specific, I think I got that right. DSL account information, radius logs, subscriber name and related subscriber information, account number, date the account opened or closed, addresses associated with the account, subscriber day, evening telephone numbers, screen names or other online names associated with the account, order forms, records relating to merchandise orders, shipping information for the last 180 days, all billing related to the account, internet service provider, 
all email addresses associated with the account, internet protocol address assigned to the account, all website information registered to the account, uniform resource locator address assigned to the account, any other information which you consider to be an electronic communication transactional record. Just a couple things. Everything. Just a couple Literally things. Literally everything. Um, so these are the court documents that were obtained regarding the information that they acquired, and it just showed this insane, insane scope of like, like I just bought earplugs on Amazon for band practice, and there's potential that someone saw that and they're like logged it, like okay, he bought earplugs, check. And it's like, dude, you've got the most boring NSA position at all, monitoring me. Sorry for the weird porn. Um, but you're welcome for the lovely weekly podcast exactly yeah i hope you're enjoying it um so title six amended the victims of crime act of 1984 to change how the u.s victims of crime fund was managed and funded um and it basically kind of it was overall it was a good thing it uh it made larger amounts of money available for grants um it was increased from 40 to 60 percent so basically you know first responders uh people that you know, were affected by the victims of crime or terror. <clears throat> Money was sent to them, uh, and it had to be made within 30 days. Um, it was in, so basically it improved the speediness because who knows how long that could have. To, can you imagine filling out a form to have the government send you money for a, a crime that you were a victim of? Holy shit! I can't even imagine it. You need 12, 12 doctor's notes, all signed and notarized x-rays even if there was no x-rays taken right. so each doctor's note needs to be from a different state yes we need we definitely value the opinion of montana we doctors. need your pre-birth certificate pre <laughs> oh man the pre-birth certificate's the important one um so title seven was one section and it was uh increased the ability of u.s law enforcement to counter terrorist activity that crosses jurisdictional boundaries so Pretty basic, you know, foreign policy expansion as far as that goes. Right. Um, Title Eight alters the definitions of terrorism and establishes or redefines rules with which to deal with it. It redefined the term domestic terrorism to broadly include mass destruction as well as assassination or kidnapping as a terrorist activity, which is interesting because it means that even cases that maybe didn't have terroristic implications could be charged as terrorist um actions like you know a, a routine kidnapping where you kidnap a millionaire's daughter and you know you hold a ransom for a hundred million dollars that old chestnut that's all of a sudden terrorism even if you don't have any terrorist ties it's bullshit wait so <clears throat> read reread the new definition so it redefined the term to broadly include mass destruction as well as assassination or kidnapping as a terrorist activity that goes one of my Fun weekend plans. Was it assassination or yeah. mass destruction? Uh, both. Oh, okay. You can blow up the White House. I can't say that. Holy I'm going to take that shit. one out. I'm going to take that. <laughs> I can't say that even in jest. Oh, my God. Uh, um, so it also... But does mass destruction include, like, mass murder? I would think so. I like, mean, for example, maybe, like, walking into, like, a church and, like, shooting a bunch of people. I definitely think that he or was like, charged as a... I mean, he was portrayed as a domestic terrorist i would think so a lot of people did not yeah, well a lot of people <laughs> also are... maybe like um um blowing up uh um like religious centers mm -hmm. yeah uh, well yeah i mean that I feels think, pretty terroristic to me uh, and i think it fits in any whatever i mean domestic terrorism is is actually really interesting and i i'm thinking that it might be the subject of 
our and podcast Linda, next week because I've been watching a lot of Waco documentaries and I really want to talk about it. And it's <laughs> okay. and I also like it ties into the Oklahoma City bombing as well. Like it there's some some crazy shit. So that'd be a fun episode. But anyway, look um, forward to it maybe. Trust me, you'll get into it. Um so the definition also encompasses activities that are dangerous to human life that are a violation of the criminal laws of the United States or of any state and are intended to intimidate or coerce a civilian population influence the policy of a government by intimidation or coercion or are undertaken to affect the conduct of a to affect the conduct of a government by mass destruction assassination or kidnapping so basically like it's broad pretty much it's pretty broad most things could be it's broad city most things could be domestic terrorism like honestly almost under that you could have any sort of march or anything so could I mean, be considered terrorism so let's break some of this down okay so in definition also encompasses activities that are dangerous to human life that are a violation of the criminal laws of the united states or of any well, state so mean, is that any criminal activity that endangers another human yeah. life is now but also you're going to get tried for that criminal activity anyway sure but i mean i think that the way you're charged i mean also like if they're charged on separate counts you know one chart one count domestic terrorism if there's no motive to support that then surely a jury would probably be like you know, there's no reason to tack on an extra five years for a domestic terrorism charge, but there's no reason to also say that prosecution wouldn't try to tack that charge right. on. So there's that. Um, this is one that's interesting to me. Uh, actions that are intended to intimidate or coerce a civilian population. So coerce could be like different political leanings or, you know, right. Like right. What got Christ crucified or right. Well, I mean, literally, <laughs> You see, you see all these marches around, like open dissent, like open. They're literally yeah. trying to change people's minds a little. Bit. Now, I think that if you're at a peaceful protest and all of a sudden someone right. starts throwing bricks through windows, that's probably an act of domestic terrorism. I mean, that's it's destruction of public property for no reason. And if even if you're attached to some some form of cause, I think that could be considered domestic terrorism. And some, I mean, what other point is there to that the destruction of property rather than intimidation or? or fear you know especially if it's something that's not well, fear is not covered under there it's just intimidation sure or yeah. cause fear i guess you know i mean but besides char like overcharging for a cup of black coffee mm. what did starbucks ever do to you you know i mean unless it's a march against starbucks but um they put out those red cups man that didn't say christmas on them they you know they always misspell my name as total asshole um uh actions that influence they serve the devil's bean juice <laughs> Oh, man. Actually, their cup of black coffee is pretty reasonably priced. It's like under two bucks. Um, actions uh, influence the policy of a government by intimidation or coercion. So, again, you know, yeah. public protest, you know, stuff like that. These can be considered that um, or are undertaken to affect the conduct, conduct, affect the conduct of a government. Are you done? Because <laughs> it sounds like you not being able to say conduct. <clears throat> I, you know, it's like the inflection is important with the context of the sentence. And I keep getting ahead of myself. Cause like, are you tired? <laughs> it's, it's been a day, man. Um, so, uh, basically terrorism, uh, it also increased the, it increased it in the definition of cyber terrorism and racketeering. Cyber terrorism includes the terms protected computer damage Conviction, person, and loss. Hmm. I didn't really get into that, but it's interesting to me. Yeah, it is. I guess loss could be like a data loss, yeah. you know, stuff like that. Um, Title Nine 
amends the National Security Act of 1947 to require the Director of Central Intelligence to establish requirements and priorities for foreign intelligence collected under FISA and to provide assistance to the United States Attorney General to ensure that information derived from electronic surveillance or physical searches is disseminated for efficient and effective foreign intelligence purposes. So basically, it mandated that the Director of Central Intelligence work in cahoots with all other agencies in an effort to fight domestic terrorism. There's really not a lot to get upset about in that, you know. Maybe there is if, uh, if you know, you read more into it, but who am I to say? Who knows? And then Title 10, uh, it created or altered, and this is the actual description, created or altered a number of miscellaneous laws that did not really fit into any other section of the USA Patriot Act. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder, I just want them to have titled like section like potpourri. Yeah, like <laughs> it's just some other shit. Like, um, just some other shit. That rando. <laughs> um, are miscellaneous. So uh, hazmat licenses are limited to drivers who pass background checks and can demonstrate they can handle materials. The Inspector General of the Department of Justice was directed to appoint an official to monitor, review, and report back to Congress all allegations of civil rights abuses against the DOJ. It amended the definition of electronic surveillance to exclude the interception of communications done through or from a protected computer where the owner allows the interception or is lawfully involved in an investigation. Um, it provided some grants. Uh, the attorney general was directed to commission a study on the feasibility of using biometric identifiers to identify people as they attempted to enter the United States. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, the Department of Defense was given temporary authority to use their funding for private contracts for security purposes. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> that is fascinating shit. Halliburton. <coughs> um, and the last title also created a new act called the Crimes Against Charitable Americans Act. The Crimes Against Charitable Americans? Uh, it amended the Telemarketing and Consumer Fraud and Abuse Prevention Act to require telemarketers... Is that caca? <clears throat> it is. Okay. Caca. Who call on behalf of charities to disclose the purpose and other information, including the name and mailing address of the charity that the telemarketer is representing. Um, so basically, you can't be like, you want to buy some Girl Scout cookies? But really, we're buying AK-47s. Um, which I guess might have been, you know... A problem. Sure. Like there's an episode. Like you can't trust those Girl Scouts. Yeah, there's an episode of Seinfeld where uh, Jerry buys uh, volcano insurance from Kramer because he's trying to impress Elaine, and then Jerry gets audited for it because it turns out that volcano insurance isn't a real thing. You know, who knows where that money went? Because it sure didn't go to protect you from volcanoes. You know, interesting stuff. Uh, and it, this is my favorite. Well, I <laughs> I just can't with your references today. <laughs> these 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 mid-90s TV references aren't doing anything for you? Are these landing? I didn't watch either of those. You haven't watched X-Files or Seinfeld? No. Shame on you. Uh, I bet you've seen all the Hunger Games movies, though, haven't no. you? Ah, well, shit, that joke fell. I, you can't um, peg me. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I don't fit into one of your little blocks. You know, that's, I'm sorry for, for trying to, to fit you into a neat little package. That was, that was rude of me. Um, and this is my favorite. Also increase the penalties from one year imprisonment to five years imprisonment for those committing fraud by impersonating a Red Cross member. Was that a problem? Dude, apparently. <laughs> a lot of Red Cross fraud going on in these parts. 
One to five seems like a pretty drastic leap. It really <laughs> does. Also, the fact that it was already on the books. Yeah. Like, it's such a big problem. We need to up the, up the punishment. Yeah, 100%. Um, so I'm going to uh, kind of jump ahead because I covered a lot of the, of the basic um, controversy stuff. And uh, basically, the ACLU has been one of the ones that's, you know, the biggest comeuppance against the Patriot Act. Um, uh, another provision of the USA Patriot Act that caused a great deal of consternation amongst librarians was Section 215, which allowed the FBI to apply for an order to produce materials that assist in an investigation undertaken to protect against international terrorism. Among the tangible things that could be targeted included books, records, papers, documents, and other items, which bothered librarians. I guess there was a library. You don't want to fuck with librarians, do you? No, don't. I, my mom's the library, and you don't want to get on her bad side. I, and not just because she's my mom. I currently owe $375,000 in library fees. It's bad. And it's accruing at 12% interest. So on May 2016... <laughs> Where do you do your library at? The bank? Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. It's a back alley book dealer. You wouldn't know him. He's got a line of credit for what me. What insurance company is selling you library books? <laughs> I lost a lot of books. I've had some accidents with books over the years. My rates are really high. Um, on May 26, 2011, President Barack Obama signed the Patriot Sunsets Extension Act of 2011, a four-year extension of three key provisions in the Patriot Act, roving wiretaps, searches of business records, and conducting surveillance of lone wolves, individuals suspected of terrorist-related activities not linked to terrorist groups. So basically, your guys that are going to act independently – that are just kind of like, I don't really identify with anything, but I'm just here to fuck shit up. Um, right. Those are your Dylan Roofs, your, um, was it James Avery? Was that the name? No, James Holmes, the Colorado shooter. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Um, anyway, so that basically covers, uh, you know, the, the broad scope of um, laws that we currently have affecting wiretapping, surveillance, and our society and our government has come from this huge revamping that occurred with the Patriot Act. And, um, you know, amendments and things have been changed. Um, the uh, parts of the Patriot Act actually expired on June 1st, 2015 because of a lack of congressional approval. Um, with the uh, passage of the USA Freedom Act on June 2nd, 2015, the expired parts were restored and renewed through 2019. However, Section 215 of the law was amended to stop the National Security Agency from continuing its mass phone data collection program. Instead, phone companies will retain the data, and the NSA can obtain the information uh, with permission from a federal court. Cool. So parts of it have kind of dropped off. Um, so I think we can, I mean, probably pretty briefly segue into just kind of current events and what's going on. Right. Um, so number one, uh, as I, I mentioned earlier, uh, Comey and Rogers, the heads of uh, the director of the FBI and then uh, director of the National Security Administration, testified in front of a panel on Monday um, regarding um, the wiretapping accusations from President Trump as well as the Russian hack, uh, Russian involvement into our election. And they confirmed that there was evidence of Russian involvement in our elections right. system. Mm -hmm. And that Didn't they, they say specifically there wasn't direct interference. It wasn't direct meddling. Direct meddling, but there was whatever cognitive, whatever it is, something. Attempted, there was a, basically, it, they more or less were a, had found evidence that 
the leaks of Podesta and Clinton's emails were part of a more of an overarching plan. Um, also, though, I'm not letting Comey off the hook. Okay, that's fair. Because, dude, had to go right before the election and be like, she's under investigation in complete breach of like his job. Yeah. When apparently Trump and Russia's stuff was under investigation even as early as June of last year. Sure. Like, no, that's a fair point. I mean, if anyone like that's also meddling in this elect in the election. Yeah. (laughs) Like you don't just give the Russians meddled the same way I did. Let's focus on them. Yeah. And, and more stuff is coming out. Um, as far as, uh, um, Russian ties to ranking members Mm -hmm. of the Trump campaign. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty obvious at this point that there was a lot of, there was some handshaking going on. Um, I can't say with authority to what degree, but I mean, even Spicer in the press conference the other day tried to downplay one of the most key members of the, like a key advisor on the Trump campaign. You know, he said something like, very dismissively, he had minor work within the Trump campaign and an, a, a uh, reporter, um, John, I forget who, but he's always taking Spicer to like just putting Spicer in the hot seat. It's kind of funny. Like as you watch the press conferences continuously, like there's certain reporters that he has like an obvious rapport with and sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. But it's like you can watch like Spicer comes out there and he's like, okay, all right, I'm going to be cool today. And then by the end of it, the bags under his eyes are like, 12 pound sacks of groceries and he is just like trying so hard he did make an snl joke the other day he said don't make me move the podium towards you um so i mean he's he's trying his best to retain a sense of humor he will spontaneously combust before this year is <laughs> over i promise you that but um so he uh, also they said that there's no evidence of a of wiretapping on Trump Tower. Right. Which is also important. They can't say they not what they can say they know, what they don't know, if there's more, if there's less, that is just those answers that are rapid fire. I cannot answer. I cannot answer. I you know and that's fine. They can't jeopardize an ongoing investigation. Like and there was respect to that. None of the panel members were like, tell us, we need to know. They I mean, these guys preamble or preempted their responses with there are things we cannot say one way or another. But um, there's evidence of mounting, and I don't know exactly, but I have seen that there's possible retro, like um, retribute, not retribution. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, a, there's a possible result that's going to happen to Trump uh, um, accusing a wiretap happening right. without any kind of evidence to support it. It was it came from a Breitbart article. I mean, it's or Breitbart or however you respond. I, it's, I don't. There's a, there's lots of layers to that, but um, I literally see the bright and I'm like I'm out. But one thing that I learned when I was putting you know pulling information for this is that the government does have a wide array of allowances in the way that they surveil people. Right. And I feel like maybe more not less like they don't necessarily need like they're saying FISA you need a FISA judge court order to wiretap, but we just read that you don't necessarily need that. But if that's you know? a, that's only under terror if there was terrorist sure. implications. But I mean, ipso facto, if I mean we've seen that it's, we've, if you're protecting the country, I guess. Sure. But national this, security. We've seen the loose bureaucracy at work here. So if you can say that A Russia's crimes against Syria and in and, and the Crimea region are war crimes underneath the United Nations, then they could be a terrorist 
in some you know viewed in some ways as terrorists or threat to our country and they are one of our oldest adversaries like there's no way to deny that even though we have like a loose accord with them that things aren't as bad as they were before so would not large amounts of financial support going back and forth between russian entities and oligarchs who are helping finance these sorts of things and like people that would have interest in the area or who are doing business with them like members of you know trump's advisory board and possibly trump himself could that not be cause for wiretapping i mean, it I mean could is be. there a way that you but can find if, it if 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 they it, like I think if, if they said there's not wiretapping, I, t- I am. I mean, I don't know if I should be them. excited that there's no evidence of wiretapping, right. or if I'd be more excited if they were like, "Yeah, there was wiretapping, and we got some shit on him," you know? Right. But I, I, you know, it's, well, my whole thing with the whole, when he came up with the wiretapping stuff, and I think I even said it on last week's episode of like, okay, cool. So if it's not, then you're a crazy person, right? And you should be in power. And if they did wiretap, that means they had they had reasonable belief mm-hmm. to think that you had something, you had some ties with someone, right? That wiretapping you would be of national security, like at interests, and you probably should not be in power. Yeah, I mean, I think one thing I learn also every time we do something that delves more into like how different branches and agencies in the government work is it's really easy to make our president and Congress like the scapegoat for things. But a lot of the stuff that is like the biggest threat to your civil liberties are done by agencies that are basically legally allowed to remain entirely secret in what they do. Mm-hmm. And FISA, as long as it it's, was, as FISA long as it's, se- if I, I don't even think people knew what the, what FISA was until like, 2005. As long as it's presented as being in some effort to protect our nation for a greater good, then it's more or less permissible until something happens, which is why I, I kind of wanted to bring up um, the the CIA WikiLeaks dump, Vault 7, that just happened recently um, at the beginning of March. Are you, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay. Basically. So we, we talked earlier in the episode about CIA doing stuff, and they were just kind of like, oh, we're not going to, no one's going to figure it out for like 30 years anyway, so uh, what's it matter? Um, this was just a few of the things that were developed from the CIA WikiLeaks dump recently, and some of these documents are still being verified. But for the most part, as far as I've been able to I gather, I do want to bring up real quick. Yes, I got mad at the WikiLeaks dump. Okay, uh, and I think I was like, "Not now, Julian," because like <laughs> it really distracted from a lot of the Trump Russia stuff. Yeah, but I mean, bit. there's it's like not now, Julian Assange. There's greater, not now. There's greater powers at work doing that. I mean. Trust me, it's, it's all it's all interconnected, in in one way or another. Distractionary. I mean, bills. <laughs> I'm putting in uh, <laughs> tinfoil tinfoil conspiracy hat right now. Tinfoil conspiracy hat. I mean, I'm not I'm not jumping into the Rothschild Illuminati stuff yet, um, but all I'm saying is that anytime more or less that a huge media story breaks involving something that really captures the nation attention that there's something else that is distracting from more or less i mean a lot of like like last fall and winter during the election stuff that's when some of the most shady legislation involving the the north dakota pipeline was being put through i mean and that's when you know emails and grab her by the pussy and all that stuff like all that's going on but here's the thing it's all fucking important 
Like it all is it like I think it's it's defined. You have to define important. You have to get to a point where you can define important as what is within your personal capability to affect. Then, then the legislation we couldn't really affect. Exactly. What we thought we could affect was the outcome of the election. Yeah, and that's but, what we were paying attention to. Because but I that's think what the people have the most direct act involvement with. Sure. So, but I think that you know Mitch McConnell has already painted that picture for us when he said at his town hall meeting winners make the policy and losers don't like if, if there's even a portion of our representatives or our congress that don't have their constituents interest at heart then that you know then that aspect of it is already lost so um basically in these approvals of things a lot of times this stuff goes through because the people aren't ever thinking that they're going to be personally affected by it you know um and so some of the stuff that came out from this leak was um, a number of the electronic attack methods are designed for physical proximity uh, and they can penetrate high security networks that are disconnected from the internet such as police record databases. Um, they, uh, in these cases, a CA officer, agent, or allied intelligence officer actor under instructions physically infiltrates the targeted workplace. The attacker is provided with a USB containing malware developed for the CIA for this purpose, which is inserted into the targeted computer the attacker then infects and extracts data, which is that shit has been done in movies a million times. You know, I've got the, the disc or the flash drive here. The music's getting all dramatic. Shit's ramping up. It's downloading. I've only got it's 78 <laughs> percent. Hurry, man. They're coming at 94 percent. You got to get out of there. They're right around the corner. Click. He pulls it out. He's up through the air duct. The CIA is like, we got to learn how to do that. <laughs> that is cool. <laughs> um. A CIA attack system called Fine Dining provides 24 decoy applications for CIA spies to use. Um, to witnesses, the spy appears to be running a program showing videos, presenting slides, playing a computer game, or even running a fake virus scan. But while the decoy application is on the screen, the system is automatically infected and ransacked. Um, which is, you know, it's like this is, it's, it's, it's kind of funny because you read this and it's like, oh, that's shit like a CIA would do. And it's like, oh shit, it is stuff the CIA is doing. Fuck. Um, and then uh, one of the big ones was um, the program Weeping Angel, which described how you can change a Samsung F8000 TV so that it appears to be off but can still be used for monitoring. It's one of the smart TVs that has internet access and camera and stuff. Um, the uh, also described the agency's abilities to use software flaws to hack into and control devices like the iPhone, Android, Skype. Wi-Fi networks and antivirus programs. They note, for instance, that agencies' malware can infiltrate iPhone and Android mobile devices like the one known to handle the president's Twitter account. Quote, if the CIA can hack these phones, then so can everyone else, read one WikiLeaks press release suggesting that Trump's personal accounts might have already been compromised. Um, so, does this mean the CIA is spying on me? Uh, in short, no, I mean... Right, they have the ability, but do it, they really want to? Yeah, I mean, it's basically... It's people of interest, which, honestly, like... I'm going the opposite way of what you think of when I say honestly, but, like, I don't think that's right either. Yeah. Like, you can't just be like, oh, I'm interested in what they're doing because they seem terroristic. It's like, no, that's in, that's in direct violation of their belief of um reasonable like belief of privacy yeah or whatever i mean it's you know it's kind of like uh the ability just having the ability to do something doesn't mean you will like 
I've been sitting in this room with Jack for over an hour and a half now, and at any point, I could have bashed him in the head with one of these microphones, but I didn't. I do have the capability to. Right. Don't you fucking forget it. But <laughs> I... <laughs> Um, I haven't done that. So, I mean, do they have the capability? Yeah, but unless you're like a hacker or a right. terrorist or someone who just is very outspoken about like, like, I'll be honest with you. If you're posting a lot of shit about like killing Trump or assassinations or even like taking out political people, that shit will get flagged eventually. Hold like, on, I've got to <laughs> go on my Facebook here real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, it, it, actually, no. Here's the thing. It will garner this, attention. I want the CIA to listen to me. I'm putting my shit out here on a podcast. Please listen to it and give me reviews. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Please like, Dear share. CIA, you can do all the surveillance on me. Just like and share this on Facebook. Trump's Trump is listening to the podcast going wrong. There's no way this is true. Guys, is there really a, is Patriot Act really the, what is an acronym? Can I do one last thing? Yes, one I have last a, thing. I have a list of government surveillance programs okay. of the United States, and I just wanted to say one of, a couple of my favorite ones. Okay. First of all, there's one that's muscular, which also looks like that's an acronym because no it's all in uppercase. It's an overseas wiretapping of Google and Yahoo's unencrypted in, uh, internal networks by the NSA. Um, yeah, I don't know what it stands for, though. I pressed on it. It doesn't look... Like, I can find it um, real quickly. I'm, I'm going to bang it real quick. But then there's also um, Room 641A, Ooh. Uh, which is a telecommunication interception facility operated by AT&T for the uh, U.S. National Security Agency. Um, and then probably my favorite one, it's an open secret code name for four different surveillance programs. We don't know what they do, but it's called Stellar Wind. Ooh. I like that sounds like the name of an anime and I think that sounds like the name I give my farts do you is that are you proud of that you want to end on a fart joke <laughs> yes is I that, do. that's where we are it's so good isn't it okay um well uh I am thoroughly disheartened and even more upset with the human race than I was <laughs> on my drive over here so um I'm gonna go and I just wanted to say 